0: What up, everybody? It's Cuff of the Vision Lab Podcast. This episode is brought to you by
1: Farmers Insurance, the Robert Garcia Agency.
0: If you're looking for the best insurance and customer service, make sure you pick up the phone and dial 972-645-1844.
1: Whether it's home, life, or business insurance, Robert and his staff are the best at protecting you and your family. Once again, that's Farmers Insurance, the The Robert Robert Garcia Garcia Agency. Agency. The phone number, 972-645-1844, and the website is FarmersAgent.com forward slash R Garcia. And don't forget to mention the Vision Lab podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, to all of our visionaries worldwide, welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast in partnership with Nexum Creative. I'm your host, Ryan Cuffey, alongside my co-host, Mr. Ryan Mosley. The Vision Lab is a platform focused on growth and exploring the developmental path of people's visions and dreams and how those dreams come into reality. Folks, it's all about tapping into and becoming the best versions of ourselves through self-discovery, self-examination, and self-actualization. Today is our second part of a three-part series with our guest. Ayo, Mo, who we have on the show today? Cuff, today's guest is a native of Dallas, Texas.
0: Uh... People who are fans of the show are familiar with his episode a few weeks ago. Um, He is currently serving a 70-year prison sentence in the penitentiary in Beaumont, Texas. Um, Everybody, please welcome Jeremy Busby back to the show. So, Cuff, before we get started and and pick back up where where Jeremy is, uh, a couple stats, right? Yeah. Cuff, in 2018, according to the LA Times, the rate of wrongful convictions in the United States is estimated to be somewhere between 2% and 10%. That may sound like a low number, but when you apply it to a prison population of 2.3 million people, the numbers become staggering. Can there really be 50,000 to almost a quarter of a million people who are innocent and are actually locked away? The Innocent Project of Texas conservatively, conservatively estimates that 5,600 individuals have been wrongfully convicted and incarcerated in the state of Texas. Mm. That number would be 4% of more than 141,000 Texas state prison inmates who have likely been convicted of crimes they did not commit. A recent study of inmates in a northern state with an even lower minority population showed a 6% wrongful conviction rate. So there are numbers here in Texas that could be even higher than that. But 1% or even just one person in prison when they should not be is completely wrong. Yeah
1: so um the national registry of exonerations recorded about 143 exonerations that occurred in 2019 in the state of texas there were actually 15 which actually tied pennsylvania for second most and again visionaries that number was 15 in 2019 so today we're actually hoping to increase that number by at least one an episode uh, excuse me in Season 5, episode 71, we talked to today's guest, and, and his story is nothing short of remarkable, overwhelming, heart-gripping. Um, ladies and gentlemen, strap into your chairs because we got Mr. Jeremy Busby back in the lab as we tackle what happened and what transpired in 2000 in his case. It was a trial causing him nothing to uh, but pain and turmoil, and now he's been incarcerated for the last 23 years for a crime he didn't commit jeremy busby welcome back to the show how you doing brother
2: i'm doing good man uh, thank you morning cup and all the visionaries for having me back
1: hey man it's it's truly an honor we are absolutely uh humbled to have you back uh in the lab we got a lot of response from from your episode um how you been doing man how, how's things been going i know last time we interviewed it was a couple months ago but how you been doing
2: Oh, man, everything is going awesome, man. I can't complain. Uh, You know, the COVID-19 thing is uh, kind of starting to see a little bit light around here, and uh, things are starting to turn back to normal. So everything is
1: great. Good, good. So I want to help set set the stage uh, as to how we got involved with Jeremy and his team. In Season 4, we had the honor and the privilege to interview local legend and radio personality for K104FM here in the DFW Metroplex. Uh, Mr. Cat Daddy was actually – in the lab. Uh, our, our episode actually made it all the way over to Jeremy. Jeremy, do you remember that? Yes, I remember it like it
2: was yesterday.
1: So Cat Daddy was an important figure in your life uh, during that time because that was right when you got locked up. Um, can you talk about what why Cat Daddy is so important to you? Oh, yeah, I
2: appreciate that question. Uh, it, when, when a person is incarcerated, especially in Texas, Uh, You become very, very, very close with your radio because that's the only possession that you're allowed to have no matter what part of the prison that you're in. And uh, you have access to it every night. So uh, when I first got convicted and uh, I found myself at the Cofield unit, which is not very far from Dallas. And, uh, and, and 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 I was there, and I didn't know anyone, and I didn't have very many friends or family members to communicate with in, in, in the free society. So I became very good companions with my radio, and uh, and I and I went up and down and down every day, and looking for different types of personalities and people to talk to, and, uh, and I stumbled up on K one o four. And, uh, and, it, and Cat Daddy at the time had just started. They put him on a late-night shift. Nah. And, uh, and, it was just, and it was something about Cat Daddy. I, I don't know if it was his swag or his energy or something, but when he came on at 10 o'clock, he had this uh, Get Sick mix. And uh, him and Reggie D, for like the first 20 or 30 minutes into his show, he would play this Get Sick mix. And uh, and it just kind of re-energized my day. And it kind of refocused me and it kind of shed light into a very, very dark area of my day. So every night at 10 o'clock, no matter where I was at, I would stop what I was doing and I would go tune into Cat Daddy and get sick for about 20 minutes. Man. And uh and it, and it allowed me to leave prison. And uh and so I became a, a a very, very uh huge fan of Cat Daddy. So I followed Cat Daddy until he got to the spot where he is where he is today. And um and in the process of following Cat Dad, he became like a, like a brother to me. Wow. Because whenever I needed a source of inspiration, or some energy, or just an outlet to leave prison, I knew I can go tune into Cat Dad in the nightlife. And uh, not only would he give uh, entertainment because he, his, 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 his humor is off the charts, but he also uh, brought a source of inspiration to his programming every day. And he always said words of encouragement, and he, and he didn't forget about the people that other people forgot about, like those who are incarcerated. And if you go back and visit to some of his programs, you'll find that Cat Daddy always found the time and the energy to send shout-outs to the people that was incarcerated out in the area where I was incarcerated at, and, uh, and that was real significant. So that's how my uh, relationship with Cat Daddy developed over the years.
1: So... Let me ask you this question: How, um, if you could be on the radio, did you ever call into the radio station? Ever talk to Cat Daddy? I, I thought you had said something about how you wanted to be a DJ at one point, a radio on-air personality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if y'all want to
2: hear a quick story, I was actually the cat daddy of my prison.
1: <laughs> you were the cat daddy of your and prison. And, and I
2: was- I became the cat daddy in my prison. It's hilarious. The guys would see me walking down the hallway, and they'd just yell off the the other side of the hallway, make it stop. Make it stop. And and I yell, I can't. I can't. Because that was cat daddy's response on his program, that he can't make it stop. So it was kind of of like a way of saying, hey, Jeremy, I see you, and you're shining, and you don't need to be shining the way you're shining. And I'm like, but I can't stop shining. I can't stop shining. And, and, and how that came about is because in prison, you're not allowed to have speakers on your radio. Right. And you got to have headphones. So when Cat Daddy would come on at 10 o'clock every night, i have my headphones on. I didn't realize how animated and how loud I would get when I got into Cat Daddy's show with uh, Reggie D. So I'd be in my cell like, man go stop, Cat Daddy, man go stop. I can't, I can't get him, Reggie D, get him. Get them ready, D. Make them stop. And so these guys will be trying to get to sleep because they got to go to work early in the morning. And he's like, who is that guy down there all that noise? They're like, that's Jeremy, man, Cat Daddy. Who's Cat Daddy? It's the guy on the radio. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's hilarious. It's kind of like a tale by that. So, you know, all of these years later, when I run across a person and they yell, make them stop, I automatically know, they was incarcerated with me over there at the prison at the time when Cat Daddy was at the night at on the night shift. So that's hilarious.
1: Well, um, I think that's just, you know, I love how what you said earlier about, you know, it was your escape from prison. So I want to give you uh an opportunity to escape from prison for a little bit.
2: What? Get out of here.
1: Yeah, man. So um
3: whenever they bring you on the show, bro, you gotta tell them to have an intro for you, man. You just can't come on drive, bro. You gotta have like some theme music, you know what I'm saying? Some Tupac or something playing whenever they bring you on. When they say Jeremy Buzz Me, you know what I'm saying? Some Tupac kick in or some NBA Young Boy or something. Whoa. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna see. I'ma see if you're serious.
2: We're gonna go. You ready,
3: cat Daddy? Oh, I
2: love Are you. you ready? We're gonna go. All right, go, G-O, go, the mighty. Bulldogs. When I say L-A, you say. Ooh, ooh, Kimbo. When I say L-A, you say. Ooh, ooh, Kimbo. Oh, I'm going to read you a book. I'm going to read from the beginning. <laughs>
3: Man, that, you, know, you know how happy that makes me, man. If you can see me right now, man, you can see the big smile I got on my face, man. That's, that's, that's the whole reason why we put all that stuff together, man. All them skits, that whole wave, that whole vibe that we tried to bring on the airwaves for everybody. We, we knew that there was somebody in traffic. We knew that there was somebody going through something. That we knew that there was people locked up. We knew that there was people just passing through the city. But just for that moment in time, while you jamming your favorite songs, man, we wanted to come on there and just give y'all something extra. Just let y'all roll with us and just jump on our wave, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm so glad that you was on that wave with us, bro. Like, we knew that you was in there. We knew that you was tuned in, and, and we knew that you um, you was right there with us no matter where you was in the city, man. And you hear them, you hear them hooks. You hear them sounds. You hear them beats, um, you know. That that's that's what it was there for, man. I'm just so glad that you was on that ride with us, man. When you tell me that you um that, that meant something to you, man, that that's amazing, man. All these years later and still to this day, you holding on. And um and man, this that's this what we do it for, man. It's not for me, it's for you, bro. I
2: appreciate it, bro. 20 years, Cat Daddy, 20 yeah. years I've been rolling with you, bro. Yeah. And the inspiration that you have given me, I share it with other people because when they look at me and I, they hear me saying, make it stop and all of that, mm-hmm. and people are like, where is this guy getting this from? And we're like, Cat Daddy. So everybody's tuning into Cat Daddy Man. now.
3: But you know what everybody
2: want to make it
3: stop. Hey, but, but I'm gonna tell you what's crazy. It's like I didn't make that up. Like I me I, the way you saying it is so dope because that's exactly what it was. I'm gonna tell you how it happened. There's a guy named Moby Dick from Beats by the Pound, all right? And my man Moby Dick, okay. he, he was always in Dallas. He would come up always Grand Prairie every weekend. That was his weekend. He would come and knock on my window on my on my, on my loft in Deep Ellum. He would just show up at the radio station unannounced and he would be like, "Hey, you giving a fuck?" And of course, I'm like, "Never giving the fuck. he was like well let's go then and so it, it was that weekend and we were mobbing through the gallery it was me uh me Moby Dick on um, my homeboy Carl Thomas and another one of my partners and we were mobbing through the gallery and every time he saw a bad chick right that's what he was saying he was like yeah. oh my god make it stop
1: <laughs>
3: make it stop and so we ran through the Galleria, right, loaded. We ran through the Galleria for, like, an hour and a half, and he said it, man, like, nonstop. He was saying, he was saying make it stop. And so that's how I was like, yo, that's that, that hook that you just come up with that make it stop, I was like, that's so dope, bro. I'm going to put that on my show, but I'm going to get a chick to say it with my name on it, Cat Daddy, make yeah. it stop. <clears throat> and it's crazy yeah. because exactly how you saying it, that, that that when you were screaming it and then people knowing it was you and then they saying it back to you, it's like they giving it to yeah. you. It hurts, but you can't stop giving it to them. And that's exactly how the energy was. And so I try to get the girls. So all that night when I went to work, I went to work later that night and I answered the phone and any girl that had like, you know, I'm saying like a, a, a voice that I was kind of looking for that type of energy. I was like, hey, do me a favor. I want you to say, Cat Daddy, make it stop. Like, it was like a stage thing. Yeah. So I got like five or six different girls to record this clip, right? I got like five or six different girls to record this clip. And uh, and so all of them in the Metroplex, they think that's them. <laughs> but it's only one... It's only one girl, but, like, girls will call me or they'll see me. They'll be like, hey, you know that's my aunt on the Cat Daddy Make It Stop. Nah, baby. And then there'll be another girl like, you know that's me on there. That was me. I, you told me to do that so long ago. I'm like, that's what's up. So it's dope this day. Like, I all think that's them on the radio. <laughs> I had the Go Geo. I had the Rhyme Line. Do you remember the Rhyme Line? What's that? Yeah, I the Sound rhyme line. Okay. Get down with, with the fish. The that yeah. one's hard.
2: Yeah.
3: That was really hard. Yeah, yeah
2: it was hard. Hey, it did say on the Get Sick Mix. My favorite was always
3: with Reggie D, but my my telly, I always
2: like Throwdown Sound. No, let you me take. You- like man, I show sure
3: Throwdown so Sound be on there today. I'm like, oh, no, we gonna get Reggie D. Hey, you know, they but, used uh, to. Hey, man, they used to um mix live with records. When I when yeah. I went for they did not want CD. They didn't want because I remember when the CDs first came and then the Serato came. We was there that whole that whole wave. Steve Nice, Reggie D, Throwdown. Um, even Michael 5,000 Watts would come in the studio. All wax, all records, crates, 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 crates. Shelves of crates in the, in the studio. Crazy. Yeah. The sick mix. Yeah, we used to play that 3-6 um, Mafia. Okay, the boots in the yeah. shoes is the clothes. Money <laughs> not folded in a row. The sick mix. Who uh-huh. the?
2: Everybody, coffee and everything. Yes, yeah, sick.
3: Sick <laughs> it, it was really <laughs> like <laughs> weed. Like <laughs> we, we called it sickness to yeah. so like make it, you know, clean,
1: <laughs> make it PC. Yeah,
3: so we called it the signal. Like
1: <laughs> so Jeremy, yeah. here's you, uh. If you if you the
3: significance of radio personalities to people that's incarcerated, daddy
2: You're like a brother to me, from another mother, man. Mm. All of these years, uh, like I was on Teddy Mo and uh, not only do I call in, I know I'm gonna get entertained. I know I'm gonna hear all of my favorite records, but you always came with the with the energy, with the with the inspiration. And uh, you know, telling people to keep their head up no matter what they're going through, no matter what they might be faced with, you know, it's gonna be a, a different day tomorrow, don't give up. And that was that element of your show that really, really stuck with me and that was I was really gravitating to all these years and uh, and it really really uh, had a deep a deep impact
3: on my life. Yeah, you know, um, it's something about the connection. It's something about the connection that you can make and and um and that's what I try to do is I try to make the connection, to try to find something that I have that you're looking for or that is in the music. You know, like it's easy because I'm a DJ, right? so we have a common denominator so if if you listening to a song and i'm listening to song, you're like okay cool we already like something together in common right we already have something and so now you just build off of that man if you like that then you're gonna love this because i got tickets to see you in 20 minutes and then all of a sudden you're like okay you took that fan and you uh, you know presented it with something else so the connection with the connection with uh with the radio is is yeah i don't know what it is but i i it's I was at McDonald's when I was 17, Jeremy. You know this story about McDonald's?
2: Yeah, I heard it uh, when you did the uh, episode.
3: Okay, okay. So you know what it is. So, like, that's ever since then, or bef- even before then, it's just, like, how do you make a connection with some people? Some people it's food. Some people it's music. Some people it's sports. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what it is, man. Just music gives me a chance to, to make connections with people that share my life with, that also have, like, as well and we just share light you know
2: that's beautiful yeah man, yeah, man. And, uh, and you're doing it and if uh, you didn't know that your light is reaching all the way into the prison system then you know it's reaching to the prison system.
1: so jeremy i wanted you to uh just know that that there's a lot of people on the outside that care about you um obviously this is a really really cool moment right like yeah, you yeah. you you having this affinity for for cat daddy and so i want you to take the next couple of minutes man to to ask him anything that you want we've got him here in the studio specifically for you mm-hmm
2: All right. Um, The only thing I wanted to know, uh, Cat Daddy, man, is that uh, since you've been in in Dallas, I know you you got your roots over in in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, uh, how is the culture kind of like tugging at you with your Louisiana root? Because you brought that flavor to Dallas with you, and you still have that flavor with you. But how have you assimilated and incorporated the Dallas swag with your Louisiana swag?
3: How have I done it? Yeah. Um... Or has it been eaten? Man, let me tell you something since day one. I got to Dallas like everybody has just just shown me so much love man I mean, and I don't know if that's a k-104 deal Or if it's that's how the city is or whatever, but since day one man when I was brought up here by my guy M- Romero Romero Hartfield shout out to Romero um, he introduced me to skip Cheatham and uh, Skip Cheatham, you know, what I'm saying listened to my air check, and gave me a shot and was like, hey, whenever you graduate from college, you gonna, you're going to move your late night creep to D-town. <clears throat> and so um, and so, just since then, I mean, everybody's just like, hey, this is how we kick it. This is how we throw down. You know, he's speaking of throw down. He, you know, he brought me on the block jumping the K-104 truck. Let's go. I'll show you the city, man. And as soon as we jump out, K-104 gets so much love. You see the truck, you know what's up. And so since yeah. then, like, oh, you cat daddy. Okay, cool. And, you know, people listen to the radio and then they hear your voice and then you show up at their school and then you show up at the rec center and then you show up at the football game and then you show up at the concert and then you give people tickets and you you know uh do meet and greets with celebrities and you take pictures I and mean, it's just it's just been amazing that people that I've been introduced to the times that we've been able to uh have out here the memories we've been able to make and yeah just it's that's it's all Dallas, man. It's all the way. Triple D, show me so much love. Like I, I've never. I'm still looking for my first hater. But I do have one. Yeah. So whoever told my stole my tow truck. <laughs> <laughs> whoever stole my tow truck, I do have one. I do have one hater. But nah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I just owe everything to the city, man. That's that's really what it is. Jeremy is, is I owe so much to Dallas. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, man. It's like six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand people, man. There's like six million, seven million people out here. So the, you know, the type of things that I'm doing here is on another level from where I'm from, and it's just. I mean, I just owe everything to to um, to K one hundred four fans of K one hundred four, the entire city, everybody that I've I've run into out here. If anybody that I've seen out there, we've stopped and have a conversation, and we rocked out together. You know what I'm saying? Pop some tops or whatever. You know, maybe we was up to no good. I don't know, but you know, we shared spirits and we we had a good time. So anybody, you know, anybody tuned in, Jeremy, you know what it is. You remember things from twenty years ago. And that's why we go hard is yeah. because it's like we know eventually yeah. this is just going to be history. This is going to be a memory. So while we in it, you know, let's go all the way. And that's just the vibe of the city that I've felt since I've been here. Like people work hard. They play hard. Like people bought their business out here and on the weekend they turn the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? That's a
0: good
3: look. You know, yeah. but that's hey, yeah.
2: speaking about 20 years ago. You probably would be humiliated if we was on camera because I got the black and white uh, K-104 picture of you when you first came to K-104. With the jean jacket? Would it have a jean? And, uh, it have it's, yeah, it's a, it's a 20-year-old picture, man. It? You just look like a little, little Slim Shady on it. <laughs> you know, what
3: you look like. You look like a little kid. Man, <laughs> hey, let me tell you something, bro. Hey, you couldn't hey. tell me shit back then. You could, I, Fresh out of high school, I mean, fresh out of college. Yeah, you couldn't tell me shit yeah. back then, man.
2: And, and I, I was the picture, cool. I think you said it next to the uh to the H two Hummer to the Hummer to oh. the K104 Hummer.
3: Okay, okay. But uh, I'm, I'm
2: I'm gonna tell you what happened. I'm gonna tell you a quick story behind this picture. Mm-hmm. I lost twenty dollars behind this picture. Okay. We all in the day room and I'm the cat daddy guy. I'm the make it stop guy. And so now we get in this argument in the day room. It's a it's a petty argument. Now we're trying to figure out what's Cat Daddy's nationality mm-hmm. because somebody's been slipping into the prison system that Cat Daddy is a white guy. Mm. And so everybody's like, oh, hell no. Cat Daddy is not white. Hell no, I don't believe that. Man, Cat Daddy is a white guy. And here, so they bring it to the Cat Daddy guy. Let's take it to Jeremy. He's going to settle it. He's the Cat Daddy guy. So they bring it to me. Okay, Jerry, we got this question. We got this argument. Everybody says Cat Daddy is black, and this guy over here says Cat Daddy is white. Who is right? I said, man, Cat Daddy is black. They said, no, he's not black. I said, man, I'm telling you, he's black. And the dude that's saying that you're white, he said, you want to bet 20 bucks, Buzzy? I said, no, nah, I don't want to bet 20 bucks. He said, no, nah, bet 20 bucks, because you're so sure that Cat Daddy's white, bet 20 bucks. So I bet this guy, like a fool, he had his family go get that K104 picture of you and send it in, and I had to pay him 20
1: bucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so look, uh... let's—
2: I confiscated the pictures. At least I was going to get the picture for my 20 bucks. There you go. You bought
3: it. You bought it. I promise you. I, hey, that picture right there of me is going to scare away any roaches out <laughs> there. Any, any
1: roaches going to get scared <laughs> away. All right. So. No, uh, man, it, it,
2: it. It's part of it's part of my vision board, man, and uh, and I and I keep stuff like that. People that has uh, served. Uh, in fact, Kat, that I was going to tell you this too before we move on. Mm-hmm. I got a book that's coming out called "Free Yourself." Okay. And uh, and it's, it's concepts and the principles that I have uh have developed from other people, and in my book I talk about the nightlife, mm-hmm. and I talk about a concept that I picked up from the nightlife, which is. Surround yourself with positive people, man. And I picked it up from the nightlife, Yo. and it's in my book. So when, when I get the uh, the pre advanced copies of it, I'm gonna send you a pre advanced copy of the book.
3: Man, I would love to. Man, I'm 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 so excited to hear that. That's what we do it for, Jeremy. For real, like that's the whole that's the whole purpose man is to spread that light when we get game we give game we don't hold it for ourselves you know what I'm saying we spread it out this is how we learn this is how we share and this is how we uh this is how we grow man are there anything that I'm telling you or or, or or experiencing with you and any vibe is something that somebody else gave to me you know what I'm saying but I recognize exactly. it and I recognize it and I understand that hey man other people need to feel what I'm feeling right now because this is a good game this is you know and this is uh this is great man i like that that means so much to me man and that, that just just that makes it so worth it bro thank you so much
2: yeah i appreciate it Cat Daddy, man and uh, i want you to just continue to keep doing what you're doing man uh you you, you definitely got you in the right profi- uh profession and you got the column and do what you're doing man and you have uh definitely had a remarkable impact on my life
3: man that's amazing man when you get out man you, i'm gonna you gonna i'm gonna work together man I'm going to you We're coming in the
2: studio. We're
3: going to do the nightlife. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you a spot.
2: We're going yeah. we to, we to revise all of the pep rallies, all of the old stuff, Candidate. We just got to do it. We got to get sick one time, bring Reggie D. We Don't just wait. have to do it one time, Candidate.
3: Yeah, so what are you listening to now while you in there? What, what what goes on? You still listening? I'll, or... I'll,
2: I'll, right now, I'm listening to 97.9 The Box. Mm, uh, and, I, I and listen to Kiyati a lot, but most of the time I, I
3: pipe into your show every chance I get. Who's uh, who's the DJs that on the box? Who do you listen to out there? On uh, Kiyati. Who?
2: I listen to ki Kiyati, Hard Body Kiyati.
3: Oh, okay, okay. And he, yeah, what time he, is he, he on? The, uh, after, he got the afternoon show out
2: there. He kind of it's kind of his story, kind of similar to your story. He started at night, mm. and then they moved him up to the afternoon show. So okay. he's on the afternoon show right now.
3: That's dope, man.
2: But uh, this is what I was going to tell you, Cat that I, I do a lot of concerts in prison, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm typically connected with the artists in, in, in the Houston area because the ones in Dallas don't move too quick. and so I'm, I'm typically connected with them. And so the ones I've been trying to get the ones out of Dallas to come down and show some love. And the, so far, the only one I have been able to successfully to come out is Chappo Frey. Okay. I brought out, I brought Trap Boy Freddie and Smurf Franklin and uh, Yellow Bees and them out to, uh, to the BDO unit. Okay. And we did a concert for the whole entire unit. Okay. And, uh, and this is what I'm known for here in prison. I normally do stuff with, like, Trey and uh, Lil' Kiki and Lil' Flip and the dudes out of the Houston area. Okay. Because I'm, I got a guy that I'm connected with down in Houston that's connected with all of those guys. Mm-hmm. But even But even if I have to stay here in prison, I don't think I'm going to stand here— but what my vision is to bring the nightlife to the prison. I want to bring Cat Daddy and the nightlife to the prison, and we want to put on a show for all of these guys. Because I can tell you one thing, Cat Daddy, it'll be a show that they will never forget. Man, and we can change some lives. So I want to organize that, and I want to bring Cat Daddy and the nightlife, and we can get some 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 artists out of Triple D to show up, and maybe Mo Three or somebody, and we can do it, B.
3: Okay. I'm with it, man. That's what's up.
2: So keep that on your schedule. We're gonna we're gonna change, we're gonna party with a purpose and change some lives. That's what I do.
0: Hey Jeremy. Hey. Hey, so uh you know we we had, had been working with with Sarah and company and whatnot. We told them we had a surprise for you and so you know we we figured this would definitely make your day. Cuff and I got some actual questions <laughs> man, for you.
2: By
0: hey man, <laughs> Cuff and I got some actual questions for you, but before I do that, allow me to thank all of our sponsors for the show. Uh Mr. Robert Garcia okay. and the family at Farmer's Insurance in Allen, Texas. Thank you so much for all your support. Um Edwina Brown and the family at Blown Smoke Cigar Lounge in Duncanville, Texas. The address there is 215 West Kent Wisdom Road. Uh, um, the good guys Definition Cigars, thank you guys so much for all your support. You keep making great products and putting pressure on everybody up here. Um, class A Vodka, Crystal and Tim, class in every glass. Thank you guys so much. For those of you listening, if you have not had a chance to get a glass of Class A Vodka, make sure you do it. We promise it will change your life. Um, the entire family of Dallas Leaf LLC, Ron, Taz, Sheree, David, all of you guys, thank you so much. Um, And the people at Grand Bruleau. Yeah, big ups to them. Big ups to Grand Bruleau, Jameson, the entire squad there. We are happy to be working with you guys. Visionaries, you will be seeing so much more of Gran very, very quickly. Uh, I know you guys just got to listen to the episode with Jameson a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but, yeah, get get prepared. You will see the Vision Lab and Grand Brulow doing a lot of work together. Thank you guys so much.
1: You know, we're, we're in the holiday season, and uh, we just thought it would be a great treat for for Cat Daddy to jump into the lab uh, and, and chop it up with you for a little bit, Jeremy. Um, and like I said, just kind of escape for prison for a little bit. So hopefully, um, you know, 2020 has been rough for a lot of people. Um, you know, certainly don't want to make light of of all that's been going on uh, and those that have been affected by by the pandemic and COVID-19. But hopefully this provided you with a little bit of light um, throughout this year. And and um, we definitely want to see you on the other side now. And speaking of that, Jeremy, let's last last time we talked um, in season five, episode uh, 71. I want to give some quick highlights for those visionaries that haven't had an opportunity to. Uh, listen to that episode And by the way, if you haven't, make sure you go back Season 5, episode 71 Jeremy Busby, okay um, In January 1999 uh, You were arrested in Dallas During a routine traffic stop It was actually the first time that you ever heard the name Andre Wright uh, It was then that you actually found out that you were being arrested um, And and charged For the murder of Andre Wright uh, Which occurred in I think it was October 1st, 1998 and where we come to now is you meet your lawyer, your defense attorney, for the very first time, the day of your trial. So, Jeremy, a lot of people are in your corner. Um, they, like you, believe that you were falsely accused and wrongfully cl- convicted. Um, really as a result of a combination of things, including sloppy police work, an overzealous prosecutor, uh, a poor defense representation, and, and Mr. Michael Thomas. All of these contributed to uh, the miscarriage of justice. So I want to dive deeper into the case specifically. Uh, obviously, it's choppy from from the get-go. Um, why were you only able to meet your defense attorney the day of your trial for the first time? Well,
2: when I got arrested originally, like I said— um I didn't know anything about what was happening. I didn't know who I was charged with uh, killing. I didn't even know. I knew I was charged with murder. I didn't know who the individual was that got murdered. So I'm sitting in the county jail, and I don't know what to do. And I'm talking to the guys that's there, and they have all these different type type of recommendation. But I knew Michael Thomas because I had a girlfriend that had got into some legal trouble. And one of her friends had recommended that she hired Michael Thomas. So I went and paid. Michael Thomas and met with him and everything, and uh, and he took care of that case for that girlfriend. So I knew his name. And he was the only attorney that I knew in the city. So um, I went down to the law library and I and I got his address and I wrote to him, and I said, "Hey man, they got me down here for a murder that I don't know nothing about, and I need some help." I said, "And hey, no one is talking to me or anything," and so he sent sent me a letter uh which which enclosed the letter to the uh clerk office indicating that he had became my attorney of representation. He said, Listen, I'm gonna become your attorney of representation. Don't speak with anybody uh when I get a chance, I get down to the jail and talk to you. okay, well, that chance never came mm. and uh and i and I kept sending letters to Michael Thomas's office, and he did send me one letter back. And uh, he indicated that uh, he was busy and he was trying to get down to talk to me or whatever, and uh, just to be patient. And so finally one day they called me and said I was going to court. And uh, and when I got down to the courthouse, uh, these guys in the county jail was telling me, "Oh, this is typical. You know, the the attorneys they call you to the courthouse because they're too lazy to come to the county, to the jail and visit you. And so you're going down to meet your attorney. So I got down there and when I seen Michael Thomas. And uh, he was all, you know, smiling and he was cheerful or whatever. And uh, he was like, Are you ready? And I'm like, Ready for what? we was like, uh, We're going to trial. Wow. And I was like, uh, You know, yeah, of course, I want to get this thing over with. But, you know, you mean trial like in next month or, you know, in three months or next week or what? No, we're going to trial today. Today? Are you kidding me? I say, Have you got a chance to speak with uh, other these, any of these witnesses or whatever? He said, Well, I, I talked to a couple of the ones that uh that she has right here in the county jail. And uh, I'm just gonna tell you this, Jeremy. Uh she got three uh jailhouse witnesses that she's uh, intending to put on the stand against you. And uh and if she thinks she's gonna be, beat me with those three jailhouse witnesses, she has another thing coming. And um and, and let me just ask you this question. He leaned in real close. He said, Did you kill this guy? I said, No sir, I didn't kill the guy. I don't even know the guy. He said, Well, we're gonna beat this. Don't worry about it, we're gonna beat it. And so uh we went to the trial and, and there we were, picking a jury, the very first day.
1: How confident were you in that moment?
2: Um, I was kind of being tugged between your whole entire life has been interrupted and the um the indecisiveness of what's gonna happen next. Because like when you're in jail for something serious like murder, they put you in, 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 in a facility or in a cell block with people that's charged with similar type of crimes. So I've been watching guys for three or four months go to the uh, trial and come back with 99 years, death, life, death. And so at that moment, you know, I'm kind of scared about, hey, what's the possibility of what's going to happen on the other side of this trial? But also, you have the other side of you that's saying, hey, I'm ready to get back to my life. I know I didn't commit this crime. Uh, There is no evidence that said I committed this crime because I know I didn't commit it, so I know that there is no evidence. So let's put the evidence on the table. Let's let's examine it. So I can get back to my regular life, and so it's a part of you that's saying, "Hey, let's go to trial," and then it's a part of you that's saying, "Wait a minute, let's do this thing the right way because I can end up with death or life." Mm. But the part of you that's saying, "Let's go and, and and get this over with," is way stronger than the part of you that's saying, "I could possibly get life," because every single day in jail especially for something that you didn't commit is a complete nightmare mm. and so anything that you can do to end it you want to do it mm. so when he told me at that moment that we're going to try hey man I, I know all these guys been getting life in 99 years and 50 years but I don't I want to end this nightmare let's do it
0: um what are? Some of these tricks that you're referring to that, that 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 the DA and the police department the police department play when it comes to a, a trial.
2: Okay, now let's take it to the district attorney's office. Okay, when the police talk to all these people and they play all these tricks originally at the crime scene, some of these people end up disappearing. Okay, I'm gonna talk to the cop right now just to get you out of my face. But then when you leave, I don't want to have anything to do with the cop. And so now the district attorney has all of these statements from these people that the cop has talked to. And so the district attorney sends their investigator out to go find these people. And when they go try to find these people, these people are not cooperative at all. So this is what the district attorney has to do. She has to keep going down the list until she finds one of them that's incarcerated, like in my case. There was a number of witnesses that talked to the police that the night that the crime happened. And you'll hear Michael Thomas ask for those witnesses at the trial. He said, where are all of these witnesses that, that talked to the police the night that this crime happened? None of those witnesses showed up at the trial. The only witnesses that showed up at the trial were the three jailhouse witnesses that was incarcerated, that this district attorney went all the way down her list to find. And then she brings them to the court, and she holds over their head whatever charges that they have that caused them to be incarcerated. I can go talk to your DA. I can get you a time cut. I can put in a letter of recommendation for parole. I can go talk and see if the judge dismissed this charge. Well, because Michael Thomas didn't do any type of pretrial investigation or anything of that nature, he was in no position to defend me with this bogus information that the D.A. was putting to the jury to get them to focus on something else other than Mr. Wright's murder.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah, I definitely understand how it would, you know, your your pretrial preparation would have un- hopefully uncovered that, right? And you guys could have had that conversation, but obviously you, you call them up, you know, a couple weeks before, or, or however long it was before, y'all have one conversation. He ends up saying, "Hey, I'm going to be your attorney and files it." And the next time you ever speak to him is the day of the trial. So there's no way for him to, you know, do his uh, his research and know. Um, did, I've got a question. Uh, did they did they ever find the gun that was used in the uh, murder of Andre Wright? Because, like you said, no. the ballistics didn't match. That uh, uh, that that killed him from the gun that you had.
2: No, the one that I got arrested with in Hopkins County it was actually wasn't my gun. I'm, I'm in a commercial vehicle moving furniture for somebody, but the gun that they actually took me in custody behind, they still have that gun in custody, and they ran ballistic because Mr. Wright, according to the uh, ballistic reports, Mr. Wright was uh, killed by uh, I think they said it, it had to be a 38 or a 357 handgun. That, the bullet had to come out of one of those type of handguns. The handgun that they got
1: in, in Hopkins County was a .44 Magnum. Wow,
0: Jeremy, you've been through a lot, my man, and you know we wanted to to make sure that that we could follow up with you. Um, I mean, the the details that you have 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 given us as far as the, the the case is concerned just continue to be more and more shocking and 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 breathtaking if you will um it's been twenty three years since you since since you were locked up um, where are you at now mentally compared to the person you were when you got locked up? Wow
2: uh, where am I mentally? Hey, uh that's that's a question that uh, that's kind of open-ended question. I mean, we can talk about, okay, let me let me let me tell you, let me let me give you this example. When I got locked up, Jeremy Busby was a kid that had been exposed to a very, very, very limited world, a very, very, very small world because of the tragic incident that happened with my mother when I was street that caused me to pretty much to be placed in foster care and to grow up in criminal, um, high criminal activity environments, that's what I was exposed to. I wasn't exposed to anything other than that. And it was actually until I came to prison that I actually read my very first book from cover to cover. I think I was 20 years old when I first read a book from cover to cover. So being exposed to that small and limited world I actually thought I was a big-time guy, and I actually thought I was living in a big-time world. But now, when I look at Jeremy Busby 20 years later, I understand that the world that I was living in was very, very small, and it's very, very abnormal, and it's very, very unusual, and it's not typical for people to live that type of lifestyle, and it's it's not healthy. And so now, mentally now, I understand pretty much that everybody has to go through certain things in order to get to where They need to be in life. And so I'm not regretting anything that I have went through, but I pretty much understand that everything that I have went through has pretty much prepared me for the moment that I'm at now and to be able to put everything in proper perspective, no
3: matter what it might be. Jeremy. Jeremy, this is Cat Daddy. Can you hear me? Cat Daddy, what's up? man? Hey, I didn't hey.
2: know you still on the line. What's yeah, up? Yeah,
3: man, I've been checking you out, man. I'm just shaking my head, like, just sentence after sentence, you know, and, and and turn after turn of this story is unbelievable. So what's the next, what legal team or what legal, when was the last time you've had any advice or anybody to give you something? Because I have somebody I want I want to hand you off to um, that can look okay. at your case. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you know a girl named uh Brittany, Brittany Barnett. Do you uh, know? Do you
2: yeah, know? Barnett, yeah.
3: Do you know who that is? Yeah,
2: her mother went. To yeah, her mother went to prison.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she just uh, came out with a book called "A Knock at Midnight," and she has been doing some amazing things. And she's telling her story, and her reputation uh, is is moving around. And you know, she gets into the cases. You know, she goes through the paperwork. She does the follow up and the follow through. She has an amazing team, and she is spearheading. Um, these exonerations and, and looking at cases just like yours that people were, like you said, uh, Michael Thomas was, he wasn't ready. He didn't do a prep work. He didn't even huddle up and call the play. He just showed up on the line of scrimmage and want to just throw a Hail Mary. No, bro. You, you, you gotta have somebody go through your, uh, your, your paperwork, man. And I want to hand you off to this girl. Have you talked to her or have you tried to reach out to her at all or what?
2: No, I haven't I haven't I haven't spoke with Brittany and I haven't reached reach out to her. Okay, so let me tell you real quick about let me tell you real quick about where we're at where we're at. Remember okay. I told you that I'd be doing these programs and stuff in prison? Right. Okay, I did a I, talking I, about the I a book how life is not complicated you are mm-hmm. by a guy by the name of Carlos Wallace. So I read this book and, and it really touched my life. So I went down to the chaplain, and I told the chaplain, I said, hey, man, I want to start a study group with this book. I want to get like 15 other young guys together, and we're going to go over this book and meet once a week and talk about the book. And the chaplain said, that's a great idea. So we did that. And so at the completion of this class, I wrote Carlos and told Carlos what I had did. Mm-hmm. And, and I invited him out to the prison to come speak to the guys. So he came out, and, uh, and we had a, a, a real big event. And and me and Carlos created a brotherhood at that event. And when he left out of the prison, this is his story. He left out of the prison saying, How can I help Jeremy Buzz to get free? Mm-hmm. I gotta help this guy get free. So Carlos spearheaded this uh, campaign called Join Jeremy.
3: Okay. Right?
2: And join, uh, you can go to joinjeremy.org on Facebook is join Jeremy. On uh Instagram is join Jeremy2020. Um, um, on on uh, Twitter is join Jeremy Now. So Carlos created this movement called Join Jeremy. Essentially it's a movement to uh, to correct the wrongful conviction of Jeremy Busby and to create other meaningful uh um uh, changes in the criminal justice system. And so we create this movement. So we put this movement out there and we start attracting people. And we and that's how we end up, you know, with the vision lab too, because some part some people from our movement contact the vision lab. I thought I had heard your episode of the podcast. Good. And they trying to put the stuff together to represent us. Uh, yeah. But but we're still hoping right now what we're doing now is that we're we're looking at all of our legal options. Mm-hmm. Any type of legal representation. So with Brittany, that's a great idea, Kat Daddy, and that would help us out a lot. Yeah. I'm gonna
3: I'm gonna hand I'm gonna hand it off to um to uh, Miss Brittany and just tell her to you know check your case out she's probably familiar with your case if you've tried to reach out to her and there's a movement already she may be familiar with it it may be in you know it may be sitting on her desk it may you know she may have no clue so we're going to um, at least reach out to her I got a line to her and you know at least we'll be moving in that direction and yeah. you know keep that keep that light
1: shining Yeah Jeremy, what we'll do is we'll get this over to to your team. Uh, we'll make sure Cat Daddy gets Brittany's okay. information over to the team and start to, uh, you know, hopefully help you out and hear, um, you know, short little Christmas present. Hopefully that that turns out well uh, for you and, and, you know, we can start getting the ball moving at a faster rate. Um, as we land the plane you. here, as we land the plane here, um, what can our visionaries do to support you? I know that uh, we, we we talked about the Innocence Project and uh, you've got your, you listed out your social media handles with we'll Join Jeremy 2020, Join Jeremy Now. Um, what can our visionaries do to, uh, to support you?
2: Uh, the main thing that I would ask them to do is to make sure that they um, follow all of the social media platforms so they can stay informed about exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it. And, um, and so that's the main thing. Is the plug into uh, the website is www.joinjeremy.org. On Instagram is uh, joinjeremy2020. On Twitter, on Twitter is join Jeremy Now. And when you go to Facebook, you got to go to the groups and search in the groups is, is join Jeremy. So if you plug into those platforms, you can stay informed exactly what we're doing and what the movement, uh what the team is doing. Right. And uh, Carlos says it best. When Carlos's doing these interviews, this is what he always says. He says that, hey man, uh, we're not telling y'all just let Jeremy walk free. We're not telling you just to exonerate him. We're just asking y'all to give him a trial that's fair. That's the only thing we're asking. Mm-hmm. Just give us a trial that can be relied upon, that that produced a just and reasonable outcome, without the tricks. So that's all we're asking. So we're not asking for uh, for y'all to just go from zero all the way to hundred. Yeah. But uh, if y'all can just give Jeremy another shot and give him a trial, because we haven't got into all of the things. That over the years, though, with the DNA, with the the advent of DNA evidence Mm -hmm. and all of these wrongful convictions, a bunch of studies have been put out to try to determine what went wrong. And they have identified a lot of areas of what went wrong. Okay, those areas transpired in my case and now uh, police departments have outlawed those particular procedures. And processes to prevent people from being wrongfully convicted. Yeah. However, those of us like myself who have already been victimized by these procedures and processes, they just said, hey, I guess uh, we're sorry about y'all or we're, we're going to put these uh, safeguards in place to prevent it from happening to the next person. Mm. But the person or the people that it has already occurred with then uh, tough luck.
1: Yeah. Well, listen... So- we're we're,
2: saying, we're we're not saying tough luck. We're saying, hey, if y'all change those rules and those rules were implemented during the time of Jeremy's trial, then it's only fair to give him a trial where he can have the protection of the of the current and the updated uh the rules that y'all have put in.
1: And that's what we're gonna do. Uh, you know, the Vision Lab podcast is dedicated to to supporting and helping you. You've got folks on the outside here as you know, with your uh, your whole team, your PR folks that uh, we're, in, we're in works with. So um, I, I do want to say a special thanks and, and thank you to Cat Daddy for jumping into the lab again. Uh, I know that this was uh, kind of a surprise for you, so we wanted to bring that element to the table here during this Christmas season.
2: I appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Cat
2: Daddy, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, bro, this just adding to all of the the unnumbered amount of memories that I have from Cat Daddy. It's just adding to the list.
1: All right, so to, uh, to to all of our visionaries worldwide that are tuning in, big special thanks to Cat Daddy Jeremy, um, brother. We love you. We care about you. We know that there's folks on the outside that uh, that are working hard to get you out, man. Um, make sure you guys go support Jeremy. Visit his hashtags. Uh, join Jeremy Twenty Twenty and join Jeremy now. Um, this is Cuff with the Vision Lab podcast. Cat Daddy's in the building. Whoa, well, nah uncle Moses of doing it. What he always does. Um, big ups to you, uh, Jeremy and, and you and your team. So, um, remember this is the second part of a three-part series. We'll, uh, we'll drop the third one here shortly. So till next time, uh, thank you all visionaries for tuning in blessings.